We are Anthem Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. For all the info you need, visit anthemforall.org and follow at Anthem Church Chicago. Good morning. Um, We are in a series entitled Hearts Cry, and it's a journey through the book of Psalms. And my psalm this morning is Psalm 126. And I'm thankful that Steve assigned this psalm to me because it's been a theme and a thread in my life these last two years. And about 18 months ago, God began to stir our hearts uh, for a building in the city, a place and a space that we could call our own. And I remember uh, praying with the, with the elders at a high point overlooking the skyline, and James Lusk declared the psalm over us, Psalm 126. And I remember then it feeling like our hearts cry for God's promise for, for a building. More than that, it actually felt like God's song over us. It was like His anthem over us. Yeah. Had to name drop in my, my <laughs> intro. So I was preparing for this Sunday, thinking it would be a normal Sunday, if there is such a thing. But we were talking as a team, and it occurred to us that it was Psalm 126, it's March 31st, we are scheduled to close on the new building next month at 3850 West Montrose, and we realized that this is in fact an opportune Sunday. So it's a real privilege to bring this word. Um, So we want to do something a little different. I'm going to try and cut my uh, message short. Miracles are still happening in the earth today. And I'm going to call up the eldership couples, and we want to share something of the dream that God has put in our hearts, some of the words, some of the testimonies um, that we've experienced throughout this journey, Uh, the the miraculous um, generosity that we've seen come forth out of this house. And I know many of you have followed closely with us, but there are also many new faces, which is awesome. And we felt at the start of this building faith journey um, that we would, no one would be left behind, but that we would all cross the Jordan together and enter into the promised land together. So that's the purpose of getting us up here. It might be a little messy, but that's okay because family times are messy. If you don't believe me, you need to come to have dinner at my house, and you will see. So let's, uh, let's read Psalm 126, but before we do that, let me pray for us. Jesus, you are amazing. Holy Spirit, you are the X factor. Jesus, you said that it was better that you go, that another may come, the one that will lead us into all truth. And Holy Spirit, we just honor you this morning. You are the one that sets us free. You set, um, cap- you set captives free from bondage. You are the one that brings miracles, signs and wonders, the anointing that breaks the yoke. And so we just honor your presence here. We say, have your way and uh, bring glory to Jesus this morning. In his mighty name we pray. Psalm 126, let's read it together. It's up here. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears 
will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. I want to give you a historical context for the psalm, and then I want to look at it uh, through a new covenant lens. What does it look like for those that are in Christ? And along the way, I want to give you some keys that you can take away, hopefully use immediately when you get to your workplace tomorrow to unlock more of the kingdom and to see transformation come to that which you face starting tomorrow. So I've come up with a just simple grid that I've extracted from the psalm. It's not absolute, but I've, I've applied this to my life, and I find it to be very effective, and it goes like this. Gratitude unlocks humility. Humility unlocks generosity, and generosity unlocks breakthrough. And you can, you can apply this to any area of your life where you feel stuck. And if you partner with God and the Holy Spirit, it's powerful. If you feel you're stuck in the workplace, I want to encourage you tomorrow when you drive to your office, begin to give thanks to God that He gave you your job. Think about all the things in your workplace that you have to be thankful for, the people, everything that God has given you in the workplace, and that will take you out of gratitude into a place of feeling humble because you realize everything good comes from the Father, and out of that place you start to pour yourself out. You start to become a blessing. You start to look for opportunities to create and add value to people's lives, and as you do that, promotion, breakthrough comes. So Psalm 126 is a psalm of thanksgiving and celebration. It's known as uh, the Song of Ascents because it's said that the Hebrew pilgrims would sing the psalm on their way to Jerusalem and also as they climbed Mount Zion. Most of the psalms, you know, were written by King David, but this is said to have been written um, by the prophet Ezra. And this makes sense if you read the book of Ezra Um, In Ezra chapter 1, we read about a pagan king. God moves upon uh, this king. His name was King Cyrus of Persia. God moves upon his heart, and he makes a proclamation over his kingdom, which was one of the most powerful and biggest of that time, to release God's people from captivity. And he does that. He releases the people of God from captivity. And not only does he release them, but he also empowers them. He releases silver and gold and resources, riches that were plundered during King Nebuchadnezzar's time, this king now bestows on the people of God. Now you can just imagine the excitement upon this people as they return to the Holy Land, the the level of excitement and enthusiasm, how elated the people of God would have felt in that time. I want to draw our attention to um, Jeremiah 33 as well. Uh, It's said that this chapter is the word of God that came to King Cyrus, which moved his heart. And uh, if you know Jeremiah, he was known as as a weeping prophet. He was more of a doom and gloom guy, which is a typical of Old Testament era. When we prophesy today, we prophesy out of Christ. So our prophetic is in line with uh, 1 Corinthians 14 for strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So you've got the weeping prophet suddenly in chapter 33 speaking life over the people of God. So I'm like, we got to listen to this. So dug in deep in this uh, um, chapter, Uh, but for the sake of time, I just want to, I would encourage you to read it, but I just want to hit the the high, high points here. 
And I want to tell you what Jeremiah said over the people of God. He's looking down the corridors of time. And he can see what God is going to do with his people. And you're going to, you're going to hear how Jesus is proclaimed. How restoration and redemption is, is proclaimed. So Jeremiah says, God is going to free his people from captivity. He's going to bring health and healing to them. He's going to give them abundant peace and security, which we've experienced in this building project. Amanda beautifully brought that word, that blanket of peace. He's going to cleanse them from their sins and forgive them of their rebellion toward him. He's going to make their city known for joy, praise, and honor before all nations on earth who hear of the good things that he will do for them, and they will be in awe and will tremble at the abundant prosperity and peace God provides for them. He's going to restore their fortunes as they were before. He's going to send a righteous branch sprout from David's line who will do what is just and right in the land, and Judah and Jerusalem will be saved and live in safety, and he will be called Lord, our righteous Savior. This is Jesus. This prophecy has been fulfilled with Jesus, seated on David's eternal throne. David will never fail to have a man to sit on the throne of Israel, nor will the priests ever fail to have a man stand continually before them to offer burnt offerings and to present sacrifices. This is um, Jeremiah's words, clearly fulfilled in Christ. So let's get started in Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. So what are the fortunes of Zion? There's another uh, translation that says, when the Lord released the captives to return to Zion. That ties really well back to King Cyrus. But I would contend this morning, the fortunes of Zion are you and me. Zion um, represented in that time the holy city, where there was a holy mountain, where the holy temple of God was built. And this the people were returning to restore. But we know that's changed in Christ. You'll remember John 4, uh, which speaks about Jesus and his encounter with the Samaritan woman. And so Jesus um, engages the woman at the well in conversation, and she gets technical with Jesus. She says, hey, you Jews say that we're supposed to worship God in Jerusalem, but my ancestors, ancestors worshipped God here at this mountain. Remember what Jesus said? A time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And these are the types of worshipers the Father seeks. And then 1 Peter 2, it says... You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So we've come out of captivity. No longer do we have to go to a physical place to encounter Jesus, but the temple of God is now in our hearts and we can worship Jesus anytime, any place. That is the good news of the gospel. So our, our identity and our value has been restored once again. So what about fortunes? 
I would contend that this word fortunes would point to that which is most valuable to God. And the value of something is determined by the price that someone would pay for it. Uh, We work in commercial real estate, so we're always being asked, you know, what's the value of my building? And uh, we have some great technology. We can pull uh, sold comparables um, that are similar to the subject property. Uh, We can look at market forces. Uh, We can take all this information, present it beautifully to a client. Many times our owners have owned their buildings for decades, uh, sometimes generations. Uh, Two years ago, we sold a building for a family that had been in the same family for 105 years. So that was a a privilege. It was kind of like selling an antique, and eventually it did sell. But it doesn't matter what we say or what an owner thinks, the price is ultimately determined by by what is paid by a buyer. So the true value is determined by that price which is ultimately achieved when a sale is consummated. So what are you worth to God? God paid the highest price in the sacrifice of His Son. Salvation is free. It's a free gift. We receive Jesus, but it costs God everything. Heaven opened and released its fortunes in order to get us back, to rescue us back into relationship with God. And we were like those who dreamed. Love that, dreamed. This word dreamed also means healthy. So when we came back into the presence of God, there was was a full restoration of that which was stolen. Saved, healed, and delivered. Mind, body, and soul. So my challenge at this point is, now that you are healthy, what are you dreaming about? What do you see in your future? Are you dreaming about big things? Are you dreaming about creative things? Are you dreaming about things that are bigger than you? Or are you still carrying a foreboding attitude that thinks something is always going to go wrong for you? That kind of disposition attracts the wrong spirit, and it's all a lie. If that's, if that's you, if you're in that place, I would challenge you that God hasn't changed. Perhaps it's our faith. Perhaps it's our belief that He is who He says He is. That He is who He says He is in His Word. That He is who you are, who He says you are. That all of His promises are yes in Christ. Maybe we need to shift our thinking. What does the Bible say? You have the mind of Christ. That is 1 Corinthians 2.16. We have the mind of Christ. We have to start thinking like He does. Not from the ground up but from heaven down. Christians should be some of the most optimistic, enthusiastic, and contagious people that you could ever meet. Who would you rather spend the day with? Eeyore or Tigger? <laughs> can see some of you, you, you moms out there are like, give me Eeyore any day. I, I already have two Tiggers at home. I'll just lie down, take a nap next to Eeyore. He can mope around. That's fine. But Eeyore finds fault. Tigger finds faith. Eeyore complains about the weather. Tigger jumps in the puddles. Eeyore looks down. For Tigger, the sky is the limit. 
I'm not saying that's absolute, but it's just a picture that I'm trying to give you. Chris Vallotton says, faith supersedes our circumstances, overrides our obstacles, and overcomes our fears. Faith sees the invisible, believes the impossible, and empowers the incredible. Isn't that inspiring? We bring our faith. God brings the miracles. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues were songs of joy. So it was humility, uh, sorry, gratitude, humility, generosity. This I see as generosity starting to spill forth. The people of God realize what they've been given. They're in a new physical space. They're in their inheritance. They're so excited. Joy is overwhelming. It's coming on their lips. It's flooding over them and onto those around them. And then it says, Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. I love this. The the, the nations begin to turn their heads. Jeremiah prophesied this. It becomes apparent that God is moving in miraculous ways. He's doing some incredible things that people in other nations are turning and saying, what's up? What's going on over there, Anthem, in this city, at your new building? Not so we can have a building, but stuff is starting to spill out and over, and we're turning the heads of those in our city. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. So, the people of God go from recognizing what they have to realizing what, that what's around them needs to change. They realize the glory of God upon them, and now they need to release the glory outward. They say, restore our fortunes, Lord. But they already said, he restored them, so now it's outward, like the streams in the Negev. Uh, this word, streams, uh, can be translated... Uh, from Arabic into the word wadi. And uh, a wadi is kind of a special thing in the Middle East. The Negev Desert is still there. It's a place. And it's dry and arid, but wadis are these river basins that have been carved out by torrential rain that has fallen over time. And even though most of the time they dry, you can see evidence of the waterline in a wadi. And I want to say every person that we meet has evidence of a waterline upon them because God created them in such a way that they are to house and capture the presence of God. And so every person we meet has the touch of God. They were created in God's image. They were created in a way that only God can satisfy them. But we carry the torrential rains. We carry the presence of God. We carry the overflow so that the water of God can flow out of our lives into those thirsty places, into people that are thirsting for an encounter. And we bring that that encounter. That is our privilege. So this is a powerful declaration of transformation. I have this uh, recurring picture um, of a scoreboard in heaven. It looks similar to the scoreboard at Wrigley Field, only at the top it says, world champions forever, undefeated. And on the one side it says God, 
and he has all the, the points. On the other side, it says the devil, and he has zero. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. If Jesus has all authority, how much authority does the devil have? None. Zero. I grew up in high school playing rugby. It was a great team game. It was tough and rough and intense. And there were times uh, we would play matches on Saturdays, and the last five minutes of a game, the intensity would escalate. The opposition would be coming at us, trying to overpower us. And there were times where uh, the opposition would do something illegal to kind of gain an advantage on us. Maybe they would stomp a player on the ground. And I remember saying at that time to the opposition as we were face-to-face and grappling, look at the scoreboard. This only worked if we were winning. (laughs) But I used to love saying it because it would rub it in their face and it would mess with their minds. I would say, look at the scoreboard. I know you're struggling to picture aggressive adolescent Mark (laughs) coming in contact. Well, this was before I was sanctified. I'm I'm no longer fiercely competitive anymore. But it was awesome. And when the devil comes to you and reminds you of your past, we need to say, look at the scoreboard and remind him of his future. Because the only power he has is that which we give him. If we agree with the lie, we come under his seduction. Otherwise, he has no power over the children of God. I want to say this is a time, Anthem Church, not to sit in the grandstand eating a hot dog worshiping the scoreboard, or even worse, worshiping the team that's on the field. Because we're all in. We're, we're on the A team. That's Anthem team. Get it? We're all included. Jesus is our quarterback, and we just have to get in position, and he's going to give us the ball every time. He plays perfect plays. So I want to say it's time to get in the match. We have, as long as the scoreboard that we see in our city, or the scoreboard we see in our families, our marriages, our parenting, anywhere we go, doesn't reflect the scoreboard of heaven. We have a game to play. We have to get in the game. We've got tackles to make, tries to score, balls to hit out of the park. I know I'm mixing up sports from different nations. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping carrying seed to sow, or return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. It was gratitude, humility, generosity, breakthrough. This is the breakthrough. If I had more time, I'd stay here, but I want to bring this down to a close. I love talking about this kingdom economy of sowing and reaping, that God has given us seed to sow and bread to eat. It would be foolish to eat the seed and the bread. But when we bring our seed, sometimes with weeping, when we sow, God multiplies that seed and brings an incredible harvest. And he's doing that right now in this church. So I want want to just let that be a springboard for what you're going to see here. I want to invite um, the eldership couples up to share. That was such an outstanding word, and um, before we kind of get into the, the kind of context, I just want to say that uh, the school that I went to and the school that Mark went to, we were fierce opponents, 
So, and it was often my school where I could say to his school, look at the scoreboard. So just want to set the, <laughs> set the record straight. <laughs> but not anymore. Unfortunately, the tide has turned. Um, that, honestly was a, that honestly was a word in season. And I just, I love that. I wrote down in my, in my journal, uh, the scoreboard of heaven. And we've, we, I, I, I want you to get that picture into your head. I trust that the Lord is going to kind of imprint that picture onto your heart because it is such a powerful picture. And I love what Mark said about whenever we see in our lives or in, in our context or in the city, whenever we see the scoreboard not reflecting the scoreboard of heaven, there's work to be done. I love that. That is such a powerful, power. and I think it goes with everything God's been saying these last few months, boots on the ground. Uh, a priesthood of believers, a Monday to Friday move of God. I mean, that's essentially what, what, um, what Mark is, is, is saying this morning. So as Mark mentioned, we, we just felt uh, um, uh, this is kind of a prophetic declaration that comes out of um, uh, uh, Joshua chapter 3. Um, there's a text in Joshua chapter 3 that has been very dear to our hearts as an eldership team, um, not only throughout this journey, but essentially as we've as we've planted Anthem Church 15 years ago. And Joshua chapter 3 describes the scene where this, where this young leader is gathering uh, the nation of Israel and preparing them to cross over. And there, I just want to quickly highlight a couple things, and I'm going to hand over to some of the, the, the folk here just to share some, testi- uh, share some testimonies. But in verse, um, in, in verse 4, Joshua says to the leaders, go through the camp and begin to, to prepare the people to cross over, and he gives them this instruction. He says, tell them to follow the Ark of the Covenant closely because we've never been this way before. The Ark of the Covenant speaks of the presence of God. And, and I want to say, as, the, as the, the one privilege to lead this team, um, I want to say every single one of us on this stage, our ultimate devotion is to glorify Jesus and to do all we can, as best as we know how, to follow the presence of God. That's, that's the reason why we stand here. That's the reason why we're going after this building, because we feel God is on this. Uh, he goes on to talk about, um, in, verse, in verse 5, he says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow God will do amazing things among you. And I love that, that invitation to consecrate yourselves. It speaks of set yourselves apart. Mark spoke about being all in. Uh, my favorite uh, Bible word is the word wholehearted. I love that. That's what. That's this invitation to be to be wholehearted, to be all in. All in doesn't just mean all of me surrendered to Jesus, but all in means all of us, everyone who is part of Anthem Church surrendered to Jesus. And then, just to end off at the very end of the passage, there's this wonderful picture of of the the the, the river is flowing. It's in it's in flood. The Lord calls the nation of Israel to cross over into the promised land in the season of flood. I mean, go figure, you know, of all the times. It could have been when the, the wadi was dry, but no, the, the wadi was full. Is that an appropriate thing to say? It is, yeah. And, uh, and God says, now's the time. When, it, when it's most unlikely, now is the time that I want you to cross over. And the way that he does this, he says, the priests, the priests, the leaders, you guys need to put your feet in first. You guys, and so I can just, I, I mean, I, I picture this, I've got to, you know, and that's kind of sometimes what it feels like. You kind of put your toe in, you know. No, God says, you, as you step in, and as they stepped in, this is, a, this is an act of faith, and that's what this journey is. This journey is, a, is, is, is responding by faith to what God is calling us to do. And as the leaders stepped into the river, the Lord supernaturally banked the river up. And, and, and guys, that's what Mark spoke about this morning. This is a partnership of faith. 
This is, this, is not a, this is not raising a building fund. This is, not, this is not a campaign, although we use the word. This is responding by faith to what God is asking us to do. And, and it's partnering with God. And as we say yes to God, God moves powerfully. God could have banked up the river by himself, but he wanted his people to partner with him, which is the journey that we're on. And then finally, I just want to read the very last verse of chapter 3. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord... Uh, The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing over on dry ground. I love that, the whole nation, and Mark picked up on on, on that as well. And I want to say, us standing here, the reason why we're all up here is we felt this is a prophetic declaration of us standing in the river, and we're saying, let's cross over. Let's, let's cross over. We want to partner with God, but we want to partner with every one of you who call Anthem Church home. So with that as the context, uh, Matt Philip, you up next? All right. Thanks. Thanks. You know, when we started this, this even dreaming about a building, we, this wasn't a plan that we had where we were like, gosh, you know, in 2018, we need to really look at a building. We were just praying and we were kind of surprised by the fact that God would say to take a step of faith. And to be honest, we didn't understand how we could possibly do that. Buildings are expensive in the city, and we just couldn't understand, like, how the numbers could work. And, and so as I've talked to multiple people in the church just to kind of get your feedback and perspective, one of the things I consistently get is, you know, this is refreshing in one sense in that we don't have a thermometer up here with, like, hey, we're going to hit up the, the top of the thermometer for the building fund. But it's also a little unsettling because it requires a lot of faith. Like, we don't have a clear strategy or plan of, hey, this is exactly how much each person should give in order to make this happen. But that's what we felt in God, that this was always going to be a faith journey like Steve talked about. In, in First Chronicles uh, chapter 29, it was the last chapter in Chronicles, when David was talking about building the temple, and he was so filled with this feeling of wanting to build it, not for man, but for God, he didn't know how it was going to work. But what he said is, he said, I'm giving first of, of what I have, and including his personal wealth, and then everyone rallied to him, the people in charge of thousands and of hundreds, and they gave freely, and it said they gave freely and with joy. And then after they had enough for the building, they thanked God and worshiped God. They said, David said, thank you that everything that we have is from you, and you've allowed us to partner with you. You've allowed us to be a part of this, to have some inheritance in this. And I remember over this past year, when we didn't know how this was going to work, there were so many words and pictures that people had in the body that were such an encouragement to us. I remember June of last year, Lasaura had a picture of this being something for the generations. And we said, wow, we would love something for the generations that come after us to have a building that could be of their own. I remember Taylor saying that, that we, I, he had this picture of, of us being in a diverse neighborhood. And the neighborhood we're going to go to in Albany Park is one of the most diverse neighborhoods in, in all of the country where people from all these different nations have come there and from all different ethnicities. And I remember uh, Sean sharing a word when we were debating the switch from Belmont to Montrose. He shared a verse from Joshua 13, and it was just in line with exactly what we were thinking. And it was so encouraging to see that the body, all hearing from God, all activated, moving together, learning and listening to one another, and inclining our ear to the Lord. And once we heard those, it was such an encouragement to us to move by faith and to take the step by faith. When, when uh, Mark and Mike actually found this building, they found the building, and they weren't even sure why they were finding the building. But when they found it, they brought it before the church, and they were able to get it for 300000 under under market price. 
And it gave us more faith of saying, hey, maybe we can do this. And as we took that step of faith, incredibly, we've seen this rich generosity of, of, of all of you overflowing. And, and all, everyone here giving even when it hurt, especially when it hurt, everyone with faith. And so with our closing coming on April 15th, um, we, have, we have enough to close, which is, which is great. Which is great. Yeah, which is it's incredible. And, and when, we, when we hit that closing number, it was, we were, we were, I was as surprised as anybody. <laughs> I was like, really? We have enough to close? Now, we don't have enough to f- complete the building project after closing. And so I was, I was talking to my family about that. I was like, you know, Naraya, my five-year-old daughter, I was like, you know, I don't know if we're going to have chairs in the new building, but we're going to have a new building. She was like, that's okay, Dada. We can sit crisscross applesauce in the new building. That's okay. That's okay. And so, but... But I still have faith that we're going to have chairs in that building. And so the, the great thing is, is that the great thing is, if you've ever felt intimidated by that number that we've thrown up there, and we're, we're still about 100000 away from the full number, which is actually not bad considering it's a $2.5 million building and project and everything like that, it, it's like every $20 that you give, is that's a light fixture in the new building. That's, that's your light fixture that you put there. <laughs> and, and, and every chair is, is one of your chairs. And, you know, I, I love that because that's a picture of the, the ownership and inheritance that Lasara had when she first out of the picture, is that everything is going to this building. And as we move in, as we move together, as Steve talked about, putting our feet in, on the ground, we're all moving together into a building that we can call our own for the generations. And just the final verse that I had was the, the picture in Mark 12 of the widow, and Jesus said that, that widow, watching that widow going up to the temple and giving the two pennies that she had. And he said, she gave so much more than everyone because of the faith it took to give that. And what I've been so humbled by is the incredible faith that, that, that people have had in giving, even when it hurts, even when it didn't make sense, to be a part of something that we feel God is doing. So thank you. You know, one of the things... Um, about talking about giving is that it's talking about giving. And giving of our finances and resources, I mean, let's just be honest, it's, it's itchy to talk about because it's private. You, you know where you are and, and you know your situation. And then if, if you're not used to it, you know, someone can stand up somewhere and just say, we should all give. And you're kind of like, yeah, but I don't know you and I've never met you. But the Lord does know us and he knows where we are, and he knows, um, he knows the thing that creeps up in you that says, yeah, but if, but if I give sacrificially, this is the risk. This is the risk. And no one else in the room may know that, but the Lord knows it intimately. And one of the things that Jess and I wanted to share was how, just in, in talking in, in line with what Mark was speaking about today, and humility leading, or gratitude leading to humility, humility leading to generosity, generosity leading to breakthrough. You know, just because we're an eldership couple doesn't excuse us from that conversation in our hearts of, oh, sacrificial giving. But Lord, it's sacrificial giving. <laughs> so... We did simply what we asked you as a church to do, and we said, we're going to go before the Lord consistently, and we're just going to ask, because Lord, to be honest, there's no number that doesn't scare us, and here's why. You have things in your life that pop up, and you go, but it, it would get in the way of this if I gave. Well, as many of you know, in just over three months, we're moving to New York City to plant a church, 
And let me tell you, that sweet tea I bought this morning, I'm like having buyer's remorse because I'm saving every, we're saving every penny. The stakes are high. The stakes are high. And we're not sorry that they're high because we're, we're sure that we've heard God. And we're going to take our family of six and we're moving to East Harlem. And we don't care who knows it because that neighborhood has a future. And God is moving and advancing his kingdom. But also, but also, we're going after a building here. That is a yes from the Lord. So we're racking our hearts. And, 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 and then there's nervousness because there's this dynamic of what is God going to say to Jess? What is God going to say to me before we go with what he said to Jess? So it was a big, it was a big deal for us to hear the Lord together and to hear the Lord um, on the same thing because we sacrifice together. As, as, as a couple and as a family. So Jess is going to share a little of, of how that uh, happened for us. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just as James shared, we, we wanted, God has said yes to this, and we're, we're all in, and we're wanting to, I was, just as we were in Psalm 126, where it says, the Lord has done great things for them. And people won't say that of you if they don't see you walking with the Lord. They'll see you did great things for yourself, maybe. But I just felt so stirred by that. Like, how are we going to show everyone who is our God, if we're not walking immediately in step with him. And so, yeah, he said yes to New York. That's three months away. He said yes to this building that's like next week. And we were like, we're battling for that. We can't wait to come back and celebrate this building with you guys. And so we prayed and just sought the Lord and he's speaking and we listened and we were trusting to hear the same thing. And I heard a phrase and was stirred um, actually after hanging with John Cox and Cassandra um, talking about our first fruits. We give our first fruits. And when I heard that again and just meditated on it that week, it meant something to me. It, God spoke that. That was a number to me. Um, and so James and I had set a day we were going to decide, like, God speak by this day. And, um, and James had heard a percentage of all we have. Um, and those were the same numbers. And it was just incredible to see God's goodness, to, to speak to us. Because it's not about the number. It's about our intimacy with him. And we got to experience him individually, but together. And I, just as Matt was sharing, too, talking about the thermometer we've referenced a few times with the campaign, right? Just as he was sharing, I just felt like to encourage us all, like what we give, where our faith is, literally that kind of, the like thermometer in heaven, it just shoots out. It's, our, it's like faith. It's not numbers. It's faith. It's that you brought all your faith and it just blew the top off. So like every time you come and you give, we get to celebrate because there's just rejoicing because we've stepped more into faith. We've taken each of us that step into the flooding river um, and we're not drowning. It's good. Come on. No, no, no. So I have one small thing to say, then I'm going to hand over to my gorgeous wife. You guys hear from me all the time. But giving is giving, but giving with faith means that as I give with faith, I'm expecting there to be a spiritual transaction, something to happen in the heavenlies for God to go before me on my behalf and to open something up, whatever it may be. So when we call to give, I'd like to encourage you guys, don't just like give, but say, God, I'm giving, expecting to see heaven's return. And don't limit to what that could be. It could be in any wide range of things. But say, God, I'm giving because you've told me to give. And I'm giving obediently and filled with faith and cheerfully. But I'm expecting to see the heavens open and you to do something on our behalf. So here's a cool, quick testimony. Yeah, so we experienced exactly that. Um, Aiden and I have been trusting for breakthrough in a couple of areas in our life. One specifically being our visa that we waited so long for just to get into the USA was basically expired and up for renewal. 
And so we did our application, the paperwork, sent it in, and only to hear back from the government that it wasn't renewed and that we had a certain amount of days to stay in the country because they need because we had changed offices, the government needed to do a visit to the church to check that we're still legit and all that. The problem is that our visa took a year originally for us to get here because we waited so long for the government to do the site visit. So now we're thinking we made it to the promised land only to go back somewhere. <laughs> So anyway, Aiden and I started praying, and um, an opportunity like this is a significant opportunity because we know that God enlarges us individually, corporately. He takes us forward. And so we sat and prayed, and we came together, and God gave us the exact same amount that he told us we needed to sow in faith, knowing that he can do immeasurably more than all we can ask for or imagine, that faith pleases him, and that when we give, <laughs> when we give— you know, he moves on our behalf, and his kingdom economy is not our carnal economy. He does so much more with the little bit that we come with. And um, so we gave the amount, and uh, no, cheerfully, <laughs> Aiden more than me. <laughs> so we gave the amount, and the following Monday night, we were cooking dinner, and we got this email at, in the evening, and it said, congratulations, your visa's approved. And so, amazing. <laughs> without there having to have been a site visit, which took so long. So that's a miracle in itself that we got our visa without the site visit. So that's, God is good. And we're here. We're here. <laughs> so some of you might still be wondering, you know, we're in this building here. So what's the big deal? Why do we need a building? And um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about what it is that you are giving to, because it's one of the areas that I'm most excited about. Um, the amazing thing is that we have the privilege of owning this building. And as much as it's ours, God has made it clear in this journey that it's not ours. That it's ours in the sense that we get to gather there on a Sunday. We have a great, we'll have a nice kids space. But most of the week, it's going to be available and it's not ours in that time. And this journey has been really interesting because about two years ago, I remember one of the first places that we actually looked at with a very small possibility early in the journey was a place that used to be the Albany Park Community Center. And at that time when we walked that building, there was just a tiny little seed that kind of just birthed something in all of us that gave us a vision for what it means to be a resource and a blessing to a community. Ironically enough, two years later, here we are in Albany Park with the opportunity to be, in a sense, almost a community center in multiple ways to this community, which is, which is so exciting. Um, so, and we all get to partner in that. Um, and so I just encourage you, you to be dreaming about in the ways that God has gifted you um, to be able to be a resource and a blessing to this community. And as much as God's given us little pieces here and there, and there is still that act of faith as we take this land and drive our stake in, God's going to be revealing a lot more because um, we don't have the full picture right now. But there are just some little areas that I just want to envision you with um, in that because we have had to consider in terms of the layout of the space. We have It's kind of divided into thirds. We have the, the meeting area, and then there's a, a lobby, and there's a kids' spaces. So it's, those are kind of the thirds. Um, and the lobby and the kids' space, we've felt to just really keep a super open plan and as flexible blank canvas as possible so that it doesn't lock us into one way of using it in the week. Um, so the lobby, for example, on a Sunday will be an amazing time of fellowship for our body. Um, but then in the week, we envision it to be a place where 
you guys can come and, and hang out and meet with people, but also there's two schools in the neighborhood, and we see have dreams to do something like maybe we could have tutoring and after school and be after school programs. I mean, these things might take years to roll out, but we have to we get to start dreaming now, and this is something all of us gets to be a part of. I mean, how many chances in life do we have to be a, a part of something? It's not like you're walking into an already established work. We get to be a part of rolling this out with all of the passions that you guys have. Um, the kids' spaces in the week will be great for the kids. It'll be amazing to set up. Teachers, can set, we can set up in the week, and we don't have to arrive super early. <laughs> can spend our energy teaching. It'll be amazing. Um, but in the week, mom's groups can come. People in the neighborhood can use it. There's a, a space that we have dreams stirring to use as an open space, and on Sundays, kids can have more of a recreational friendship time after they finish their lessons that it could have maybe basketball courts, maybe even like a field, and we envision having open community nights where the community can come use this open gym space. Um, even the parking lot, Aiden, we were at a meeting and he said in the parking lot, he had this vision for being able to put up bouncy houses and have a, a community cookout and just invite people in. So this is just an example of some of the incredible life that we are going to be, kingdom life, that we're going to be able to release into this community to be a blessing when we have our own space and it's going to be amazing. So I encourage you to dream and it's such a privilege to be able to partner with God in this way. The only reason Pekka Michelle aren't sharing is because I stole Peck last week for his announcement. Do you remember the dream that he had about, about waking up and saying thanks to the Lord? So that's, I stole that from today, last week. Um, just a little funny story, and this is a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but uh, the way my wife and I decide what to give is we always go away if there's an opportunity to give, and we pray about it. And whoever has the, less, the lower number, we say that's from the devil, so we need to go with the higher number. So that's, that's the way we approached, uh, we approached this. And uh, <laughs> inevitably, Debs is way more generous than I, so we often go with, go with her number. But that doesn't mean anything theologically regarding where I stand as the one who leads this leadership team. It's outstanding to hear these incredible dreams and things that God has put on our hearts. And I just, I want to bring this into land and, and, and obviously close this morning by, by saying this, that we, we invite and are excited to hear your input and your perspective. But what we long for more than anything is, is your partnership and your ownership with us. And that's that and even for some, maybe language changes from them and they to us and we. That we that, that we do this together. And and that's what that's what our exhortation is to you guys, is to is to pray and to partner and to partner with God. And I know that, that if this is if this is your home, God's gonna knit your heart with us as we trust to 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 press forward into the final stage of this. So as Matt mentioned, we've got two more weeks to go. We're certain to close, but we've got two more weeks to go and we we're continuing to trust for that final about a hundred thousand dollars. And uh, let's trust that as we sow as we sow the pennies like the widow brought, or as we sow the gold like David brought, the issue is not the amount, the issue is a heart of faith. And that's what, that's what we're inviting here is, is a response in faith. Rather the pennies brought in faith than the gold brought just out of, uh, out of obligation. And that's, that's the thing that we're, that, that we're trusting for this morning. So I trust that's encouraged encourage you. We're going to pray and close the meeting. And then I'm just going to invite a, a ministry response, something that we did feel from, from this morning. So would you mind just closing your eyes with me and let's just pray. And, uh, and ask God just to put a, a seal on what has been shared this morning. Father, we thank you for what has been a, just such a powerful, powerful morning. And uh, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your provision, Lord.
that we can stand here this morning and celebrate the fact, Lord Jesus, that you have provided in order for us to close on, on, the, on the 15th. And Lord, we, we, we continue to ask for your favor. We continue to ask for your blessing. We continue to pray, Lord Jesus, for, for you to open up the, the storehouses of heaven and release blessing on, on this particular journey, that we would be able to see it through to the very end. And Lord, we, we, we want to pray as, as, um, as we read in, in, in Joshua 3, Lord, that we would follow your presence closely. Because, Lord, we don't want to go down the well-worn paths. We want to follow the path that you are leading us on. And to that, we want to surrender ourselves. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, quick reminder, two ways, uh, two ways uh, just two things to, to, to focus on. If you're looking to give or wanting to give, anthemforall.org slash give. Uh, you can find all the information there. You can pledge as well. And then secondly, if you haven't made it to the space... I want to personally invite you to come on Wednesday. Do your utmost to clear your calendar. Join us at 6 o'clock. We're going to have pizza. Um, we're going to gather at, uh, at 6.30 to pray. And we're going to actually, we're going to walk through the building and do a prayer walk through the building. So we're going to pray for the kids' space. We're going to pray for the auditorium. We're going to pray for an hour walking through the space and doing a prayer walk, releasing God's blessing, releasing God's favor, releasing the kingdom of God in preparation for, for us moving in there. As we close this morning, if you are trusting for breakthrough, if you are trusting, if you, are, if you feel like you are on this side of what God has promised you, and between you and the promise of God feels like a Jordan River that's in flood, we want to pray with you as a, as, as a team this morning. We want to pray that God would bring breakthrough, that God would, would bring deliverance. One of the things that we do intentionally at Anthem Church is we downplay the hierarchy that is, that, that is often found when it comes to church leadership because we believe it's biblical. We don't stand here as the upper echelon of leadership. No, we stand here as equals with you with a function to provide leadership to the church. But sometimes I think one of the things we do dilute is not because we are better than, but there is an authority that comes upon the eldership team to lead. And so this morning, we felt that we want to make ourselves available as a team to stand with you. As we are standing kind of prophetically in the river right now, we want to stand with you today and trust that God would enable you to cross over into the inheritance that he has for each of you. So we're going to stand up front as a team. We're going to invite the ministry team to join us as well. And we're going to pray for God to, to bring breakthrough and deliverance in your life as well. Amen? Amen. Mark, outstanding job. You absolutely nailed it. Really, really great word. Thanks again for listening. To stay up to date, follow at Anthem Church Chicago and visit us, anthemforall.org. Anthem Church, all of Jesus for everyone.